0: There just seems to be a bit of excitement at Jubilee at the moment. And uh, I just want to say to you that this is something that God has been doing amongst us. Just loosening us up a bit, I guess. um, It's a word that God brought to us about a year ago about the power of praise. And it seems like ever since we brought that that word about praise, that there's been confirmation after confirmation about... uh, about that being an aspect of our ministry as a church together. Jubilee means party, really. It means celebrate. And uh, that's something we've really been pushing into to celebrate and what God has been doing uh, with us and for us. Um, We've just started a story about, uh, sorry, a series about the priority of heaven over earth. But after the last two weeks, I just feel like I want to park that this week and I want to speak on the back of what has already been shared. It just feels like God has been speaking to us, and we want to be open to the Holy Spirit and where he leads us in what we do week to week. So I've changed what I was going to say this week to just come in on the back of what Isaac brought a couple of weeks ago. Bishop Isaac came from Kenya and brought us a word that was about the cry of glory. He'd actually come prepared to talk about something completely different. But he said as he walked into the building, he could feel the cry of glory rising up in his heart. And he says, I knew I had to speak about the glory of God, uh, which is what he did. And he, and he talked to us about the shout of glory, the shout of the manifest presence of God. So that God is here. God is here. God is here. He's amongst us. Glory. Perhaps you just want to give a little shout there. Glory! And then Chris came the following week, and he shared about, uh, and not knowing at all what Isaac was going to speak on, he'd already prepared his message, and God had put on his heart the Holy Spirit shout of grace. Grace to the mighty mountains of delay and disappointment that oppose us, leveling them to the ground. Grace, grace. He felt that there was a Holy Spirit-inspired shout that God was calling us to raise for the work of God here. And he finished with that amazing verse from Zechariah, not by might nor by power but by my spirit, says the Lord, indicating a supernatural solution for the breakthroughs that we need. That means we, as in there are individual breakthroughs that we need, there are corporate breakthroughs that we need together. And there's a shout that God is giving us for that. And this is a fighting talk, I want to suggest. I think this is fighting talk. These messages are about contending for the promises of God with shouts of victory to all that opposes us. And this is important because sometimes when things get tough or we face opposition or difficulties, our tendency as human beings is to withdraw. We tend to go quiet. We tend to stop our mouths. We tend to keep a low profile. But this is not the time to stay silent. God wants us to shout. So however you're feeling (laughs) or whatever's going on, there's a Holy Spirit shout for us
1: to make. And this is because of the battle that we're in. You do realize you're in a battle, don't you? Some people do. It's a spiritual one.
0: And sometimes in the day-to-day humdrum of life, it can be easy to forget that our lives consist of more than just the physical world that we can touch and see. Simultaneously, we are part of a whole other invisible or supernatural realm, which we affect and are affected by. I mean, the invisible is all around us. I mean, even in the natural right now, there's a whole other world unseen to the naked eye. There are millions of tiny life forms called microbes. They exist everywhere on Earth and anywhere in air, soil, rock, water. Some need oxygen, some don't, some thrive in the cold, some in heat. Some live in our bodies, some live on our bodies. I mean, if you could see your hands under a microscope right now, you'd never put them near your face again. And just a few hundred years ago, nobody knew about these things. They didn't even know they existed. And it's all because of the invention of the microscope that we're able to see, not just these tiny life forms, but even the cells that they're made up of. It's amazing. Absolutely incredible. But in a similar way, the spiritual realm exists and is all around you, even if you can't see it. And not you can't normally see the spiritual realm with the naked eye. But this is real real too. It's it's real. It affects our lives. And to the Western mind, this is as strange and an unusual concept as the existence of microbes and cells would have been to the people who lived in ancient times. And so we need to learn to discern it. And we need to be reminded of that which is beyond the physical realm, to go beyond that which is familiar and even the circumstance we're facing and start to see the world completely differently. And uh, microscopes won't help here, but as the writer of the Hebrews tells us, our senses need to be trained. And we need to learn to distinguish the things of God. We have to learn how to distinguish the spiritual realm, Hebrews says, by reason of use, meaning we need to practice, we need to learn, and we need to practice looking beyond what we see in front of us. So in the context of what God has been saying to us, I want to take the opportunity to do two things. Firstly, to remind you of that other world, and secondly, to equip you in how to discern what's going on there. So first of all, let me remind you, Let me just remind you about the battle that we're in. I mean, anybody ever have a sense of this? It just feels like life is a battle. Um, And this is because when we become Christians, there's a phenomenal change that takes place in our lives, which is completely supernatural. Paul tells us this in Colossians 1.13. He says, for God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of his Son. Literally, we have been translated from darkness, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light. Darkness to light, it is that different. And as believers, we are now living in a completely different world. We're living in a kingdom that is very different to that of many other people who are living on earth today. You know, ever ever feel like you don't fit in? Well, that's why. You don't. Because you're from another place now. You're from the kingdom of the Son of God, Jesus, who reigns and is king, as we've been singing today. But the other kingdom, the dominion of darkness, opposes the kingdom of light. It opposes you and wants to drag you back into the darkness you came from. And So temptations come to distract us. And lies come to our minds to restrict us. And, and stuff happens in our lives to make us think that nothing's changed. Nothing's changed at all. That commitment that you made, that, that uh, prayer that you prayed, it made no difference. That's the lie. And stuff will happen to try and prove that. Because the kingdom of darkness opposes you, and this is the battle that we're in. And I just want to say, this isn't good news, really, but there really is an enemy out there who hates you. (laughs) There really is. That feeling that you're getting is real. (laughs) He really does hate you and is completely dedicated to your downfall and destruction, and he opposes all that you are and all that you do, and especially he opposes what we are partnering with heaven to build, which is the church. You know, the devil hates the church. He will do anything to bring downfall to the church, to bring division, to bring suspicion. You name it, he hates the church because the church is the dwelling place of God on earth. It's where God lives right now is amongst his people in the church. It's his body on earth. Satan hates the church. Paul describes the battle like this. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our, our struggle isn't in the physical world, although sometimes it feels like it, doesn't it? When, when we fall into difficulties with other people, it feels like they are against us. But Paul says it's not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark
1: world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's the battle that we're in. It's a spiritual battle. But the good news is that Jesus
0: has already won the battle. (laughs) And we're dealing with the defeated enemy who's pretty desperate and he's fighting back like a cornered cat because he knows that his days are numbered. And so he's trying to go out with as much damage and trouble as possible. He wants to keep as many people under his dark domain as long as he can because Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, all of the extent, the full extent of his victory is going to be seen and the enemy will be vanquished completely. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. But in the meantime, we have these skirmishes of warfare. Although for the Christian, these are very rarely, they can be, but they're very rarely in your face, obvious at times. Because now the enemy comes through subtlety and trickery, and he comes in many different ways to take us off our guard and bring us back into that place where we are under his power and influence, even though we're no longer part of his kingdom. So he uses deception. He uses deception. He lies to us. He uses tricks. And Paul says in one place, he says,
1: we're not unaware of his schemes, but I wonder if this is still true. I'm increasingly being asked to speak on this subject of warfare, the battle that we're
0: in, in different places, because many people, particularly with a Western mindset, even leaders of churches feel that they have an inadequate knowledge or experience in these areas. But that being said, I don't think any of us are immune from deception. So for a number of weeks recently, I was living with a great sense of heaviness on me, almost a sense of depression and a kind of hopelessness that I couldn't shake off. Anybody? You know, there was no reason that I could find for it, and I was beginning to think there was something that something was wrong with me. You know, I felt tired all the time, and even when I slept, my sleep was disturbed. And then other things started to go wrong too. Some relational difficulties that just came out of the blue, and misunderstandings, accusations, and just feeling God at
1: for no reason. you ever experienced that? And do you know what? I lead a church
0: and I speak on this subject, but it took me several weeks to realize that I was under spiritual attack. Why? Because I looked at the physical world first. And it was through a call to my friend Angela, who many of you know, that I realized what was going on and was able to deal with things differently, pray differently, and get some help from other people. In fact, on one evening that this was going on, I went to our life group and somebody prophesied over me and said... You have been the victim of an accusation. But it's not true and God's breaking that over you now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, bitch, for bringing that word. None of us are immune to deception and it's why we need each other. And so the writer of the Hebrews says, don't stop meeting together as church, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another daily. We need each other. We need each other, and so God will often use other people to speak truth to us and expose the lies that we've been believing. We've got one another's backs. Amen? So do you know what I'm talking about here? Is this the kind of thing that you've been experiencing? The kind of things that you've been going through? I mean, think about it. That set of circumstances that just won't budge. You know, that accusation that seems to unjustly stick, it's not even logical, it doesn't make any sense. That family situation that just won't resolve, that inexplicable heavy feeling that's been on you and affecting your mood for days, even
1: weeks. Are you seeing the spiritual dimension? I want to remind you of the battle that we're in. So I've done that. We're in a battle,
0: but we're on the winning side. So part two, I want to share some things with you that I've been learning about this battle. I want to help you and to equip you to fight. And uh, there's three things I want to say to you, and then there's a few more I might add on at the end if we've still got time. But the first thing is that there is something powerful in this battle that you need to know. And secondly, there is something that you need to get from God. And thirdly, there's something that you will need to do. Okay, so here's the first one. Something powerful that you need to know. This, this sentence alone is life-changing. I'm not exaggerating. When God spoke this, when I realized this many years ago, it completely changed my perspective on spiritual weaponry and battle. The devil only has as much power as you give him. The devil has only as much power as you give him. And it's a big subject, but the shocking thing I realized is that everybody lives by faith. Not faith in God, perhaps, but faith in the things that they believe in. We all live that way, and that we live by faith. If you doubt that, imagine for a moment that you wake up one morning with a terrible pain. You've woken up with this terrible pain. And if you were a man, you would live in denial about it for many days and suffer in silence, of course. (laughs) That wasn't funny. (laughs) You don't know what it's like. But in your head, in that moment, all sorts of things would start to go on. You know, for several days, a few years ago, you know, when I was really young, a long time ago, it's actually two years ago. I convinced myself that I was having a series of heart attacks. I don't know. I read it up on the internet. I looked at all the symptoms. Yep, definitely. I was having a heart attack. After two weeks of this, I thought I probably ought to go to the doctor before I die. And I remember making the appointment and saying goodbye to my wife and children and driving to the doctor's surgery, looking at different parts of where I live, thinking I'm probably I'm not going to see that again. I mean, honestly, that's where I got to in my thinking. And I got to the doctor's surgery and I was sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness, this pain in my chest It's never going to stop. Oh, my goodness, I hope they can help me. And I was just sitting there thinking, hold on a minute. When did this start? And then I suddenly realized we'd spent a whole day at Alton Towers going around and around the log flume and I was on the front and I thought I know what I've done I've bruised my chest this is just bruising that's all and I looked and there and behold bruising all across my chest oh the relief the victory i went into the doctor's i said i'm really sorry but I think this is what it is. I thought I was having a heart attack, but actually I think it's just too much time on the log flume.
1: <laughs>
0: she said, well, we'll check just in case. But she was able to confirm it was the log flume and that I don't have any heart problems whatsoever. Hallelujah. Ooh. Guys, I want to say to you that in reality, the truth set me free. <laughs> What I was believing was binding me and bringing fear to me, even though it was a silly story. I mean, imagine how I felt when I suddenly realized what was actually going on. How I would live differently because of what I now knew. I was living as if I was going to die. It's crazy. But we live by what we believe in. And this new newfound faith set me free. And even as I realized it, the pain diminished. What is that? We live by faith. We live by what we believe. And you see, Satan knows this. And if he can get you to believe the lie he has told you, if he can get you to enter into agreement with him in an area of sin or rebellion towards God, he will have power over you or your circumstances. Because you see, the devil needs our faith to give him his power. So we better believe the right things then, haven't we? We better be believing the truth that sets us free. Jesus says this. He says, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what the Bible says is the truth, and we need to believe what it says, not in our feelings, not in our circumstances, not in family traditions, or things we've seen in the media, the internet, or the TV. Don't believe
1: everything you see and read and hear about. We need to be spiritually
0: aware when it comes to the consequences of what we're believing if we're going to live in freedom.
1: So what are you believing?
0: Are there some lies that you've been believing that you need to renounce? What have you entered into agreement in in a, in a particular area of sin? When you sin, when you commit sin, you're agreeing with the devil. Do you realize that? When you allow bitterness into your heart, when you allow resentment to build up, you are agreeing with Satan. You are giving him a foothold in your
1: life. And what has God told you to do that you're still not doing? That's rebellion. What are you believing? Why don't you just close your eyes for
0: a minute and just ask the Holy Spirit to show you any lies that you've been believing recently. I know there are distractions in the room, but don't allow that to affect you. This is a God moment. So Lord, show me any lies that I'm believing at the moment. Any areas that I need to confess. Any areas of obedience that I need to put
1: right with you. Why don't you just put that right
0: now with God, right where you are. Just say, Lord, name it and shame it.
1: I confess this lie that I've been believing. The
0: word that we often use when we uh, deal with lies is we renounce lies that we've been believing. That means I unannounce them. I stop saying them. I no longer think that they're true. So why don't you just say, under your breath right now, I renounce the lie that
1: says, whatever it is, in Jesus' name. I just want to
0: take this moment. There's a moment in God to deal with some stuff right now. I just declare freedom in this place in Jesus' name. And if there's an area of sin that you've been struggling with, you've been agreeing with the enemy
1: on, why don't you just bring that to God and say, I confess it to you is wrong. I don't want to do that anymore, Lord, forgive me. If
0: there's something God's been saying to you and you've just been battling over it, why don't you just bring that to him and say, Lord,
1: Give me the grace, give me the strength to do what you've commanded me to do. Thank you, Jesus. So this is the powerful thing
0: that I want you to know, and that is that the devil has only as much power as you give him. We need to be spiritually aware when it comes to the consequences of what we're believing. We need to be careful what we believe. The second thing in this battle is that there is something you need to get from God. So you need to know what you're believing, and then there's something that you need to get from God. Strategy. Strategy. We need strategy when we're dealing with battles. It requires a spiritual battle because it's a spiritual battle. And don't assume that you have it or you know what it is in any given situation you face. Don't assume Oh, I know what to do. This is how I've done it before. Don't assume that you know. We need to ask God for it. You know, some Christians are very naive about strategy or even presumptuous about strategy and spiritual things. A friend of mine, uh, their church was battling in a a high Muslim area and uh, they were just struggling to thrive, struggling to grow. And so this guy is a very passionate for God kind of guy. He decided to just go out every morning at, at the time of Muslim prayer and start rebuking things. This, that and everything else, all this, that and everything else. And He was going out night after night, day after day, fasting, praying at this time, really diligent. And then within a week or two, things started to happen that were going wrong for him. He started to have thoughts assailing him in the night. He started to get a real heaviness on him, feeling depressed and all kinds of things. Stuff started happening in his family, accidents started occurring. And he says, what's going wrong? I'm just praying. This is, surely this is what you have to do. And I said, well, did God tell you to do that? Did he show you that strategy? Because if not, it's presumption. Ah, but I read it in a book.
1: (laughs) Don't do it. Ask God for the strategy for how you're going to win that battle. We need Holy Spirit-inspired strategy because heaven's strategy is not always the logical
0: one. I mean, for example, the message that God has been giving to us as a church recently, which if you're visiting today, you might think we've all gone a bit crazy, but this is what God has been saying to us. He's been talking to us about shouting and speaking to mountains and telling them to move. Now, if you were out for a walk one day and a mountain was in your way, you wouldn't naturally and rationally think to speak to the mountain and tell it to get out of your way. You wouldn't. It'd be crazy. Because this is a spiritual strategy, and it's one that Jesus told us about in Mark 11, 23, where he says, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain that's opposing you, that's blocking you, that's getting in your way, go throw yourself into the sea and doesn't doubt in their heart, but believes what they say, it will happen, it will be done for them. And so God has been saying to that, that to us over and over again recently, I need you to speak to some things. Church, you need to start to shout at some things and tell them to move. It's what God's been saying. He's been revealing that strategy to us. On the back of a week of prayer, that's the strategy that he's giving us for the breakthroughs that we need in this next season. So last week at our prayer meeting, because of what God's saying, that's what we did. We started speaking to Jubilee, and we said, grow. Just declare growth over Jubilee Church. We just spoke to this community We said, get saved, come in, find the good news, opportunities, doors of opportunity open. We we started praying over all the chairs and saying, Lord, fill the chairs. Give us growth in this place. Not because we want to enhance our reputation, but because we want Jesus to be famous in this place. Amen? We've been shouting out for some miracles. We've seen healing. We saw a healing last Sunday morning, somebody with a very bad back, incredible changes in his back as we prayed. We've seen some healings, but there's so much more. We need to shout for them. Say, Lord, give us more. We want more of you. We want more of your presence, more of your manifest glory amongst us. Amen. Amen. We've had some breakthrough, but there's so much more to come. And perhaps there are some things in your life that you need to speak to. You think, yeah, I'm going to try that one. But be led by the Spirit. Prayerfully ask Him to show you His strategy for the situation that you're facing because sometimes He's telling us to do nothing and wait. (laughs) Ah, yeah, but it's all going wrong. Yeah, just stand still. Sometimes that's what He says. Sometimes He says, no, it's time to confront. You need to confront that. And sometimes He'll say, no, just keep praying. It's not time yet. Just keep praying. Sometimes you will say, run away and live to fight another day. How about that? That happened in the Christmas story. An angel appeared to Joseph and says, you know, Jesus has just been born. Somebody's out to kill him. I want you to run away to Egypt and hide. You ever thought of that as a supernatural warfare strategy? We need to be led by the Holy Spirit and get the strategy that's in heaven for us to bring to earth breakthrough that we need in our lives. Amen. So don't presume you know, but then when God shows you something, you have authority to act. Now, many of you will know this story, but I'm going to tell it again because it's such a good one. We were really struggling to get property in the town center. People said to us, it's impossible. You'll never get property. No church has ever managed to do it. Look, we've done it. Uh, (laughs) Praise God. Um, But it started when one day uh, we were trying to get uh, just a lease completed on the offices just across the road there. And uh, felt like that was strategic. That's our stepping stone into the other. So we, I've been in property business for 20-odd years. I knew this. I knew everything there was to know about ch- property. This is an easy one, I thought. I'll do this. Don't even need to pray about it, really. It wasn't completely my attitude. But it was kind of, yeah, I know what I'm doing here. A year later, we couldn't complete this poxy little lease. <laughs> And uh, the guy, the surveyor that I'd been working with, he was a friend of mine. i have been in business together for a long time. And he said, this is crazy. This is the most difficult transaction I've got on my books at the moment. I said, yeah, it's crazy. It's a tiny little office. What's going on? And then one day I was walking down into the town center. And as I walked towards the building where we now are, I saw this huge dark shape standing next to our building and he was standing there i i didn't see any features or anything like that but i just knew somehow that he was resisting us that he was a uh, that he was in charge or something like that and i said lord why am i seeing this because i don't like seeing that kind of stuff and he said because i've given you authority this is your town tell him to move So I thought, oh, okay, then I walked across the road, walked up to it, walked straight through it, said, in Jesus' name, get out of my way. This is my town, and you have no place here. I turned around, and it disappeared. The next day, the transaction completed, just like that, after a year. It just completed. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. And then a couple of days later, I was sitting in the office thanking God. And he says, you don't realize the strategy of what I've done for you here. I've given you the gateway. This is the gatehouse to Sully Hall. And he was a gatekeeper. He was guarding it and stopping the goodness that God wanted to bring into this town. I don't know what you think about that story, but we are in a spiritual battle. And we need to see spiritual breakthroughs. God's begun something. God has begun something. Some things shifting for our town. So when you know what God shows you to do, you have authority to act. So thirdly, so that we've done. There's something you need to do. There's sorry. There's something you need to know. There's something you need to get from God's strategy, and there's something that you need to do. The third thing is activate. See, prayer is not an end of in and of itself, although it can be, I suppose. But mostly prayer is how God prepares us to take action and to do something. We actually have to do something in the end. We can pray, we can pray, but in the end you actually have to do something. So Jesus never told us, for example, to pray for the sick. He says heal them. Just go and heal them. Now, I suggest to you that takes some prayer preparation to do that. Go and heal the sick. Jesus never told us to pray for demons to leave. He said, cast them out. Wherever you go, cast them out. I suggest that takes some preparation. He never told us to pray for problems to change. He said, speak to them. Tell them to move. Tell them to move. Prayer is the way that God prepares our hearts for action. It's preparation of ourselves that leads to a declaration. And ultimately in spiritual battles, we will need to get to the place where we exercise our authority. We'll need to take action. We'll need to speak to the situation. We'll need to declare heaven's strategy, God's word. We'll need to speak God's word into that situation because he has spoken to us and given us the strategy that we can then act upon. And the amazing thing is, the Bible tells us that when we get to that position, and when we speak God's word into a situation, it says that it activates angelic assistance. How about that? It says that in Psalm 103, verse 20, it says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his commandments, obeying the voice of his word. Who is the voice? You and me. They obey the voice of his word, the word that God has given to us. Uh, In our prayer week, uh, we had a prayer week a couple of weeks ago, and it was on the international evening. I had a really distinct impression, as we were praying, of angels just being released from heaven and going on mission all over the earth. Just, you know, like Jacob's ladder, it talks about in the Old Testament, this man who had a vision of angels ascending and descending, uh, going on mission around the world, if you like. And I just felt like as we were praying, that angels were going and being released as we were praying the Word of God into different
1: situations. Angelic assistance. I just want to say something
0: about that. Um I want to mention angelic assistance at this point. Why? Because when we talk about spiritual battles, and I know because I'm a person, but so often, and just the way our minds work, what we think about when we think about spiritual battles is only the dark and scary stuff. We start thinking about all these horrible things we've seen on horror movies or whatever like that. Um, or bad stuff that's going on around the world, that's what we start, oh, we've got to battle, and it's always about battling the dark stuff. We don't have to. We don't have to see that. We don't have to know that. As children of light, we only need to see what God is doing. And sometimes God will show you some of the dark stuff, but it's only to do something about it. We don't need to go looking for dark stuff, focusing on bad stuff, although the world will encourage us to just do that. Just look at what's going wrong. Just look at what's wrong in the world right now. How many of you have watched the news of the last couple of weeks? It's all bad news, isn't it? We only need to see what God is doing, and we need to train our senses to discern what God is doing. There was a prophet called Elisha. In the Old Testament, he had a servant who could only see the bad stuff that was going on around him. This was in 2 Kings chapter 6. They were living in a city at the time. It was besieged by dreadful enemies, and they come to kill him, come to kill the people of Israel. It was a very physical threat, and understandably, the people there were frightened. But Elisha could see what was happening in the realm of the spirit. And so he turned to his servant and he prayed that his eyes would be open so that he could see beyond the physical realm. And then in verse 17, it says, Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire, angels, all around Elisha. Imagine that. You're right in the middle of this siege, and suddenly you see all the angelic hosts, myriads upon myriads upon myriads of them, and they're fighting for us. Wouldn't that be cool? But in the same way, we need to have our eyes opened and our senses exercised to discern what God is doing in any particular situation. And who knows, perhaps you may even see the angels who are surrounding you and working on your behalf. So how do we do this? How do we, just as we're coming to a land now, how, how do we get to see or understand what's going on? Well, it's things like reading the Bible, knowing the stories of the Bible, and God bringing those back to mind. It's things like uh, speaking to people that have experience with some of the stuff that's going on. or It's things like prophetic words that God gives us, words from God that just help us in a particular situation. But actually, there's all those things. They're all good. But actually, one of the ways I found God can accelerate our understanding is, I want to just mention this to you for free, and uh, it's this, it's dreams. So often God will speak to us in dreams, and, and I just want to open this up for you briefly, and we haven't got time to unpack it completely, but it happens whilst we're asleep. That God can open the inner eye of our understanding to see what's going on in the supernatural world. It's my observation that sometimes when we're in this state of rest, just think about that. A state of rest in the midst of battle. How godlike is that? How good is that? While we're in this state of rest, that so the Holy Spirit will pull back the curtain and show us what's happening in the supernatural realm. You know, it seems like whether you're a believer or or not a believer, it makes no difference. God still comes and speaks to people in the middle of the night when their defences are down and they get to find out some amazing stuff about what God is doing. So how much more us? How much more us believers? And I'm convinced that this realm of understanding is specially open to believers. And especially those who have places of authority or responsibility, whether it's a place, a position in the church or in the workplace. God has spoken to me about my workplace before. Now I've woken up, I've known the solution to a problem. Because God has given me wisdom in the night. Or whether it's in your family or whether it's in your community. He can help us to see what's going on if we ask for it. And then take seriously what he shows us in those times. Now, of course, our dreams can sometimes just be strange byproducts of the unconscious mind or even the cheese we ate the night before. But there are other dreams which impact us and will even wake us up in the night or stay with us through the day. Those are the dreams that you need to pay attention to. And the beauty of it is, you see, this isn't just for special people. I don't know anybody who's never had a dream. Has anybody ever not had a dream? I don't know anybody who's not had a dream. Isn't that kind of God? Anybody. So if, you, if you're a human being, you have problems and you sleep, this is for you. And this fits in completely what was promised on in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Peter stands up and he declares on the day of Pentecost that dreams are one of the outcomes of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit along with visions and prophecy. So he stands up and he says, look, in the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my Spirit so extravagantly on the whole world that your sons and your daughters... It doesn't matter if you're male or female or whoever you are, they're going to prophesy. They're going to start to see stuff. And your young men, well, they're going to start seeing visions. And your old men, any old men here or old women, doesn't matter who you are, indiscriminately, you're going to have dreams. That's the message of the gospel for the whole world. I think people need to know that, don't you? God speaks to us. So if you want to grow in this whole area of seeing the unseen and understanding the battle we're in, then you're going to need to start paying more attention to your dreams. Because dreams often lead to physical realities, speaking into things that concern your life and the lives of others, or even world events. A few years ago, um, it wasn't that long ago, we're just about to hit our 24th wedding anniversary. Okay. This is uh quite soon. It's actually Monday. I nearly forgot. Tomorrow we'd be twenty four years married. How about that? Isn't that amazing? And I just gotta say my wife is more beautiful now than ever. Um so guys keep your eyes this way please. So but just before we got married, you know what? We had a battle. And I don't just mean we had an argument. You know, we still do that a bit. Sometimes when I'm wrong. We argue. But before we got married, there was an intense battle about us coming together. You wouldn't believe the stuff that was happening. And as I was praying about it, I thought, there is a spiritual battle. Somebody doesn't want me and Alison to come together. I wonder why that is. And I was just praying. and I said, Lord, will you show me what's going on? Will you give Alison a dream? Because God often speaks to Alison through dreams. Will you give me a dream? Will you show me what's actually happening? Because I don't understand this. That night, we had the first. We've only had this happen once. No, twice now. Alison and I both had exactly. We were sleeping in separate parts of the house and everything. We weren't even next to each other before we were married. And we had the same dream, identical dreams. In the night. And we woke up and we both ran towards one another and said, I've had this dream. She said, I've had this dream. I said, I've had this dream. I saw this. And she said, I saw that. I saw this. And I saw that. we both seen the same pictures, the same stuff going on. And we said, God has just spoken to us. There's a a campaign to keep us apart. We're not having that. Because it must be incredibly significant that we get married because of what God wants to do in our lives together. And we prayed together, and all the opposition stopped, sort of. But we got together, and we got married, and, and the rest is history. But it doesn't matter who you are or what stage you are at in your relationship with God. He can speak to you like that. My friend Alan here had a fantastic dream just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we, we just prayed together at the end of one of the prayer meetings. I said, Lord, would you put a wall of protection around Alan? Because stuff had been going on. We just prayed that. He had a dream, and he said, in the dream, these dark, horrible figures came and stood around him and were going to kill him. He knew that they were going to hurt him and to kill him. And he was just worried about this, and then suddenly, the atmosphere changed because these seven, even bigger, brightly colored, white, white, bright light came and stood around him. And they beat up all the bad guys, and they stood around Alan. I said, that's exactly what we prayed. Isn't that Amazing. Isn't that amazing that God's protection is all around you? In dreams, just in a dream. So pay attention to dreams, especially if they're vivid and memorable. Don't get too concerned about what everything means. Ask God to show you the plain meaning. And if this doesn't come, then just write it down and leave it to one side. He will show you. He'll make it clear. But dreams are one of the simplest ways that we begin to see what's going on. So, look, I, I just want to stir you up. I want to stir up your spiritual senses. Paul wrote to Timothy. He says, I, I, I just want to stir up the gift that's in you. I want to stir you up. I want to stir you up. Remind you that we're in a battle. Remind you of the bigger picture. But there's a strategy for dealing because Jesus has already won. And I want to encourage you to shout at some things, to speak to some things, to deal with some things in your lives, but also together as a church. This is what we're doing. This is why this emphasis is here. This is why God is saying, I want you to shout, because there's a victory for you. There's a breakthrough coming. There's a pregnancy that's being birthed amongst us for what God wants
1: to do here in Jubilee. Amen. Amen.